This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. You're listening to Things They Don't Tell Her. Everything you don't get taught about periods, pregnancy, and postpartum. I'm going to take you on a journey back to sex ed and teach you what really matters. Ladies, it's time you felt empowered in your bodies. I'm your host, Caitlin Pender, founder of Her Women's Health, and I'm sharing tips to optimize your fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum journey. Welcome to Things They Don't Tell Her. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Today I have special guest, Dr. Grace Jones, who is the founder of Bloom Chinese Medicine. Grace is a doctor in Chinese medicine and a qualified acupuncturist with a passion for fertility, hormonal health, and pregnancy and postpartum. So today we are going to be talking about these three topics. We're going to break it down into fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum, learning about traditional Chinese medicine and ways that you can support your health with these ancient teachings. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, To get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your own journey and how you found Chinese medicine? Yeah, sure. I had a bit of an unconventional start to Chinese medicine in that a lot of people in my industry came to Chinese medicine because of their own healing crisis, but that actually wasn't the case for me. Um, I was first introduced to natural therapies through my horses. I used to do competitive horse riding Mm -hmm. um, and the horses would get herbs, homeopathy, Cairo, they'd get acupressure with laser as well. And um, I I didn't get any of that, but the horses (laughs) did. And um, when it came time to decide what I wanted to do, I actually applied and got into physiotherapy first. Wow, there you go. Because I knew I wanted to do something in healing with the body, Mm -hmm. um, but decided it didn't quite fit. So I did a couple of, uh, I just went to a couple of open days. Amazing. And I went looking for naturopathy, actually, wow. because I thought, I, you know, I know the her- I really like the herbal stuff mm-hmm. and the diet and I liked, I just liked the idea of it. And I went to an open day at a college in Melbourne and mm-hmm. they also offered acupuncture. Yeah. And I just walked past the room where they were doing the demonstrations and it just like, it just drew me in. It was like wow. a magnet. I was like, oh, what's this? <laughs> It's like they have the physical therapy, they have the herbs. They, I could see it was a full, full, a full system. Mm. It wasn't a quick fix thing. Mm. Um, and I went home to think about it, but I signed up like that night. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then I just figured that if I didn't like it, you know, I could do something else, but I loved it. And yeah. here I am about 12 years later. So Amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Such a, a holistic system. Yes. And then I did get a chance to to – really dive into it personally as well. Yeah. The stresses that I moved into state and was, um, yeah, just I did it, I did, overdid it and mm-hmm. I ended up with a few unpleasant symptoms, symptoms and nasty cycles and things. So that for me then became the, okay, well, let's test this out. So and see if it works. Yeah. So I'm Which, a true convert. <laughs> absolutely. So if we break it down into fertility, mm. how does – Chinese medicine look at fertility yeah so fertility is just an extension of health mm-hmm. really in Chinese medicine um, if the body is optimally healthy it's fertile you know the body wants to reproduce and if the body can't do that 
there's clearly an issue. There's something in the way that's stopping that. 100%. So we very much always go on this big detective process. In in my industry, we're kind of well known for asking a million questions in our intake <laughs> forms because we'll ask about every organ system and um, to get as much information as we can. And some patients are like, is that is it really relevant to know that? And we're like, yes, it everything is. is. <laughs> everything's connected. It absolutely is um, because they all give us clues as to what's going on in different parts of the body. Mm-hmm. So there are some specific things from the kind of ancient teachings in regards to cycles and periods. Mm -hmm. So one is to keep yourself really, really warm when you're trying to conceive, um, eat really well, but also be really mindful during your periods to also keep yourself warm, avoid cold foods, keep your feet warm, keep your womb warm as well, Mm -hmm. um, and avoid, you know, excess physical activity. They actually um, suggest avoiding sex during the period as well because it can invite cold into the body is Mm -hmm. what the theory is. I'm not sure how well that holds up with science, but it's an interesting one. Yeah, and that's something that applies in in Ayurveda as well. Yeah, right, right, there you go. Um, And so that overall period care is just plays into that picture of optimal health to help with fertility. fertility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting how, you know, from a – western medical lens we think that there's a problem if a woman has symptoms like um infertility and it's sort of this problem that we don't often relate back to health but overall it's it's part of the big health picture absolutely yeah so in terms of the menstrual cycle Mm. what does chinese medicine recommend is suggestive of a good menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. so this is this is where i love bringing kind of the more modern tools as well Mm. um when it comes to basal body temperature tracking Mm -hmm. tracking your temperature throughout your cycle that's super super helpful from a chinese medicine perspective um because if temperatures are too low that tells us about that dynamic of yin and yang so that warm and cool energy Mm -hmm. same if the temperatures are too high if they're super erratic yeah uh, it gives us heaps of information so In general, the first half of the cycle is very much focused on that building up of the um, the lining and the egg. Mm-hmm. So it's the more yin phase from a Chinese medicine perspective. Mm-hmm. So in that way, we look at, well, what can we do to help nourish that yin, help nourish the blood, help nourish the follicles and the, the lining. So warm foods, broths. You know, for meat eaters, eating plenty of meat or mm. other blood nourishing foods, which can come from seaweed, beans, mushrooms, berries, that sort of thing too, mm. and herbs that would that so would go that alongside that too. Cycle. Yeah, and then there's this big energy push in the middle of the cycle that's ovulation. Mm-hmm. So that is more about qi movement in Chinese medicine. So movement of energy is what that means. So that can be a good time to just get out, get moving, be outside, mm-hmm. and then in that second half of the cycle the luteal phase is more the yang side when we see the temperatures go up but and to nurture that we actually need to slow down which kind of seems a little counterintuitive yeah but you 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 need one you need both yin and yang at the same time for the body to be working well so in the more yang side you sometimes have to work really hard to actually support that especially in our society where we're so just go 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 all the time Mm -hmm. we're very good at using up our yang so i mostly see issues in that second half of the cycle Mm -hmm. so that progesterone production 
and the way that the body has the energy to sustain an embryo if if one's been formed. Absolutely. And for those who aren't familiar with the basal body temperature tracking, there is distinct, when we track with a thermometer uh, under the tongue, we see distinct patterns around ovulation where there's Mm. a slight Mm. increase in temperature around that ovulation time and then that temperature is maintained up until menstruation. Yeah. So it can be really important when we're looking at fertility to have a look at what's happening in the cycle and it obviously gives a, a good indication of what's happening in the the system um, based on the idea of warmth and heat in the body. Absolutely. Like some people will in that second half of the, the cycle just get really cold hands and feet that they just can't shake, for example. Mm. So that's a sign that that yang energy is really struggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how does that, if we think about the hormonal changes that mm. are happening through the cycle, how does that correlate with the yin and the yang in relation to estrogen and progesterone? So the yang side is very much progesterone. Mm-hmm. So they, they are pretty much one-on-one. Estrogen, because it does a couple of little, it, it fluctuates a bit more throughout the cycle. So it's there isn't actually really a solid correlation in that yin phase. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the estrogen, but then of course you've got the LH and the FSH happening at that time as well. So we look at it more from what's going on physiologically and internally instead of by individual hormones. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that the progesterone does match up really nicely there in that second half of the of the cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. And then when everything drops in Chinese medicine that that is also a bit of a the same kind of thing, the yin and the yang both plummet and then that brings on the bleed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what sort of things might be prevalent when someone does have symptoms of pain with mm-hmm. menstruation or endometriosis from a Chinese lens? Mm, so that can be a few different things. Mm. So one thing that we'll always look for is cold in the area. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we can feel that on the lower belly, like just by feeling above and below the belly wow. button, we can feel that there it's cold or it's cooler. Mm. So sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's that for whatever reason, the blood isn't moving very yeah. well, so we need to help that assistance, and we call that blood stagnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's particularly when there's a lot of clots and it's, you know, really, really painful. But the blood stagnation can be caused by um, a blood deficiency too. So this gets a bit technical, but yeah. um, sometimes if there's not enough blood, like if the body's just really deficient, it's maybe not creating enough. It's like if you think of a, a riverbed with a creek's worth of water, it's like it just trickles, but it doesn't flow properly. Yeah. And if that stagnates, it might get stuck in a little puddle. Mm-hmm. And then you've got that stagnation there, and then that can cause the pain too. So there's lots of different causes, mm-hmm. um, which is part of that whole Getting why we ask the, the million questions. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And why it, it has to be so individualized. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think is where Chinese medicine has that more holistic approach than... Um, the way that we see management of endo in our Western culture. Absolutely. In terms of that stagnation of energy, there's a term called retrograde flow. Mm. Does that have to do with that stagnation or what do you think the impact of of the retrograde flow is on? I think the end impact is is an element of blood stagnation in the pelvis, Mm. but then it's a matter of how well the body deals with that because we know that most people most most women do have some of that retrograde flow but some notice it some don't yeah so that comes down to those dynamics of how well the body deals with that 
blood, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. What would you say your top tips are for women that are trying to conceive? Mm, okay. So <laughs> I have a million. Um, <laughs> so number one would probably be to watch out for stress. It's just such a huge problem in our in our society these days. And a lot of women, we're so used to being on the go and on the run that we don't even realise we're stressed. We're like, no, no, I'm fine. My energy's good. I've always got lots of energy. I'm always busy. And then they realise that the minute they go on holidays, they're sick. It's like that's a pretty big sign that your body's exhausted. Mm. Yeah, it's just really easy to ignore that when we've got in the pursuit of more, you know. Um, so stress is huge. Mm-hmm. Making sure people are eating enough as well to um, to match with their output. Yeah. And how much energy they're spending on a day-to-day basis between doing hit five times a week and <laughs> working full-time and then going on 20K hikes on the weekend. It's a lot of energy. And uh, one thing a lot of people don't realise is that when we are super stressed, our appetite tanks. Mm. So we'll feel like we're eating enough. We feel like we're eating plenty, but we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that can make a massive difference in cycle health and just general health. Uh, another thing would be just to keep your whole pelvis space warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's super important in Chinese medicine. Throughout Any, the month? Throughout or, the month, yeah. yep. yep. Special, special focus in that second half and during the bleed. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, one thing we don't like is, you know, going swimming in, you know, this coolish weather and then leaving wet togs on, for example. Yeah. Not just drying off and warming up again. Like, mm-hmm. go for a swim for sure, but get the area warm again. Don't keep wetness on there and you're just going to invite cold in. Yeah. Yeah. Cold, um, sorry, warm feet as well is another one we really like. There's a uh, acupressure point right on the bottom of the feet that it's a kidney point, Mm -hmm. but the kidneys actually govern the reproductive system in Chinese medicine, which I know sounds a bit crazy, but there wasn't really a concept of the uterus and ovaries in ancient China. (laughs) But they had kidneys. So So they decided the kidneys govern that whole pelvic area. Um, And so there's an old wives' tale in, in China about you're not, want, not walking on tiles without socks on and things like that. And that's why, because inviting cold into that point invites it up the channel and up into the pelvis. So oh, it's so interesting. Yeah. So those are those are probably the most common things I see. So mm-hmm. those, those will be my top tips, I think. And when it comes yeah. to exercise mm. and hit training that you mentioned, is there what does what is the Chinese lens on hit training and sort of higher impact like running? I haven't out? actually thought too much about it outside of the general output. Mm-hmm. So a lot of women are, like I said, spending more than their than they're earning Mm. so in that way it's a pretty fast track to what we call chi deficiency or yang deficiency and that kind of what we know as as burnout Mm -hmm. um but that being said chinese medicine absolutely um advocates for good movement yeah but throughout the cycle that might change from going for a walk or you know doing some weights or some more strenuous activity in the first half and in the second half focusing more on your yoga um, tai Chi and Qigong mm-hmm. is a big one in Chinese medicine. They'll recommend Qigong for everything. Yeah. Um, it is interesting though because mm. you don't see them – you don't see many people running or doing hip classes. It's 
more about that gentle sort yeah, of fluid movement. exactly, exactly. And walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, but we're, we're not used to that slow stuff in our society, <laughs> are we? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Awesome. So those are some great tips for women out there that are trying to conceive. If we move more into the pregnancy side of things, um, what would your recommendations be for women that are experiencing morning sickness in the first trimester? Well, this is a fun one for me now because yes. <laughs> I've recently gone through this <laughs> um, and been able to test this Share out a your, little bit. Yeah, personal yeah, experience. Yeah. So from a Chinese medicine perspective, that nausea is, we call that, it's your stomach chi rebelling. It's going the wrong way. Stomach mm-hmm. chi should go down, it's coming back up and you're getting that nausea, maybe vomiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can also play into things like constipation, which is super common mm-hmm. in that first trimester. So... There's a lot of focus on really just trying to keep that stomach and spleen energy happy mm. so that we can encourage it to kind of just go more in the right direction. Like that's we've got to acknowledge that there's a lot going on in the body and it is one of the things that I've found in the clinic that we just need to treat really consistently. Yeah. Like it's really hard to get a long-lasting effect for morning sickness. We really need to be on top of it. Okay. Um, so it's we can't fight the body's what the body's doing and we don't want to <laughs> um so it comes down to well number one actually let me start with this if you can keep anything down yeah eat that thing because <laughs> any food even if it's like vegemite on white bread yeah is better than not eating anything mm-hmm. so take that as a caveat like yeah. the rest is is good if you can do more than that awesome Great. if you can't your body will be fine yeah our, our bodies are amazingly resilient mm-hmm and we will cope. The Absolutely. baby will the cope. The baby will be fine. <laughs> yes, exactly. The body will just draw on mum. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to keep that spleen stomach energy happy, it's just a lot of easily digestible foods. Mm-hmm. The spleen and stomach system, and just for the listeners, the spleen is just what we talk about when we talk about that whole digestive element. So I'll probably use them interchangeably. <laughs> yeah, spleen stomach, yeah. Yeah. So that whole area, that's that's the earth element. And the earth element, in a Chinese medicine perspective, really loves the flavor of sweet. But sweet does not mean sugar in Chinese medicine. Sweet means white rice mm. and beans yeah. and root vegetables. So easily digestible things like that. There's a, a traditional dish called congee, if anyone's ever heard mm-hmm. of that which is a really nourishing thing I ate a lot of that did you yeah, <laughs> yeah I did because um, you can make it super bland yeah. you can add it's like the, the broth of the rice it's pretty much rice cooked in a lot of broth for mm-hmm. a long time so that the rice really breaks down it's a bit of a gelatinousy soup yeah it sounds terrible it's actually really delicious yeah yeah I, I had that on my punch karma ah so, yeah 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 when that's the first thing that you're allowed to have after the, the period of cleansing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, because mm. it's so easily digestible, digestible and it's nourishing. Yeah. You can use a homemade broth or you can buy one and yeah. uh, you can add whatever you want to it as well. Mm-hmm. So what you're craving is always really important to listen to as well. Mm. Um, if your body's craving that sweet, cold, we kind of go, okay, so your body's probably experiencing a bit more heat. Mm-hmm. Try not to go for the frozen ice cream, but if you need to go for some raw fruit – some yogurt not a problem do that your body obviously needs it Uh, I found for myself I was craving so much salt 
Oh, little, really? Mm-hmm, yeah. Teaspoons of salt on my food. Yep. I just couldn't get enough salt. Yeah. And so I went, okay, cool. My body wants lots of salt. salt. And so I did that. Um, and it actually really helped. Yeah. Yeah. The salt really, really helped with the nausea. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Another thing is just eating way more regularly than you think you need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would get up in the morning, eat straight away, and I would like look at my watch and go, okay, I've got to eat in 90 minutes. 90 and it would be minutes, yeah. every 90 minutes to two hours I had to have something or it would just come straight back. Wow. Yeah. And when you were consistently eating on the clock, did you find it improved your symptoms? Definitely. Or? There were yeah. still certain times of day that I was like, I don't really want to eat, but then mm-hmm. I would and I'd feel better for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really helpful and getting as much sleep as you can yeah. is going to be really, really important too. Uh, keeping a snack on your bedside table as well. Mm-hmm. So you can either eat that if you wake up in the middle of the night feeling a bit nauseous, which mm-hmm. I was doing for a bit, which was fun, yeah. or first thing in the morning before you even get up, before you even sit up, because yeah. sometimes that's enough to trigger the, the nausea or the vomiting for some women. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good one too. And whether that's crackers, I used to make up little um, – like gummies with oh, gelatin yeah. and juice. And I found that really the digestible and, and yeah. easy. Um, some people like to have some like salted cashews or something like that. Just whatever floats your boat. Have something there, preferably with a little bit of protein if possible, mm-hmm. um, just to help that blood sugar, <laughs> yeah. help keep you going for a bit longer. But those are probably the things that help me the most mm-hmm. and those are things that um, help my clients the most too oh and ginger ginger of ginger i can't forget ginger no i can't have ginger now i've had way too much <laughs> but it did really help it did yeah it did really awesome. help yeah yeah i feel like that is one that's definitely not an old wives tale no no there's good research behind it now yeah. and it's one of our favorite herbs anyway in chinese medicine absolutely it's so nourishing for the digestion and keeping everything warm so yeah and is there things in Chi- like in Chinese medicine theory that explain, apart from this reversal of the stomach energy or chi, is there other things that would make someone more predisposed to experiencing morning sickness? There's nothing super solid. There are definitely trends that I have noticed mm-hmm. in the clinic. So I've a lot of my patients who maybe try before their body's super ready. And by that, I mean, when we're looking at, for example, the BBT chart, something I've noticed in a lot of those patients who do end up with um, morning sickness is really, really low temperatures. Oh, wow. So they're really cold. So to me, that's a lack of that yang mm-hmm. chi, that yang energy. So it, just theorizing, you know, the body, that um, conception is that merge of yin and yang, the yin mm-hmm. of the egg and the yang of the sperm. But it requires a lot of both of those energies to grow a fetus and then a baby. So, yeah, with patients who maybe are lacking in that yang energy, I think it's such a draw on their body because they'll they'll make it happen. The body will make it happen anyway for the fetus. And so I think because it's drawing on so much of that woman's resources and she didn't have a lot to begin with, Mm. I'm wondering if that is just really creating the environment for that, uh, more of that kind of upward flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, plus there is actually an element of stagnation in the in the pelvis yeah. during pregnancy. There's literally a thing there, like yeah. Yeah. A, a mass. So it is stagnant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and we know that later on that then affects digestion in other ways, and yeah, yeah, the whole body in other ways. 
Absolutely. So, so those are some great tips. And for the listeners, Grace is currently is at 18 weeks? 19. 19 weeks pregnant. So mm-hmm. this is all something that she's experiencing in her own body as well. Yeah. It's a ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... In terms of the phases of pregnancy and the trimesters, how does Chinese medicine look at those phases and bring in those um, five-element theory? It actually doesn't. No? There actually isn't a, um, a really strict – well, not strict, but there isn't really a guideline like that oh. outside of. I did find one because mm. uh, cause when I – when you sent me that question, I went, oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've never, I don't know that I've ever read that. Like, yeah. we, we think about the general things that happen in pregnancy and the effects that that has on the body in terms mm-hmm. of symptoms. Um, and then also how that interplays with a person's constitution. So someone yeah. who is maybe more spleen deficient would be more likely to have some of those digestive issues, as an example. Mm-hmm. So we look at it very individually. There is a school of thought that goes by month by month. Mm-hmm. And there's a theory that different organ, uh, different channels are formed in that month. And so uh, I had this on my channels little... Channels in the fetus? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And this doesn't correlate with how we know a fetus develops biomedically, yeah. but this, is, this was a theory. And I can only remember a couple of them, but for example, the first month, which is actually weeks two to six, they yeah. had a different like month one was weeks two, what we would now call weeks two to six, is governed by the liver. So it was advised to eat lots of leafy greens and do liver-supportive things, have more sour foods and things like that. Yeah, and then towards the very, very end, it's more governed by the kidney and the bladder. So then that's more like that kind of lower back stuff Yeah, and advised to have salty foods and things like that. Uh, it's also advised in this in this theory to avoid it with acupuncture to avoid needling that meridian during that month. Oh. Um, I've never known of any practitioner to do that, yep. and I actually love using the bladder points in late pregnancy because they're really good to help with labour yeah. prep. So that's that's interesting. It might be something I play with, might not be, but yeah, yeah. it's interesting. But yeah, there's actually no concept of the trimesters, just the general shifts in yin and yang and as the body grows there just becomes more of that stagnation mm-hmm. in the middle and more of that yang builds up as the woman gets hot yeah and then okay. after birth it's all just so, yang's just gone <laughs> so if we're looking at it from that yang and mm. yin perspective is would chinese medicine then say that we need to bring more of the yin qualities in to support the or increase yang depends on the patient if, yeah depends on the, the constitution of the yep. patient yeah so potentially like someone who's really hot and maybe has heartburn and starts getting symptoms that we'd call heat symptoms they might mm-hmm. get some skin rashes or headaches yeah then we would absolutely look at trying to well let's let's dial that down a bit and let's increase the yin to bring that slightly back into a better balance mm-hmm. yeah and what about in terms of exercise in pregnancy what mm-hmm. does I've heard some suggestions that Chinese medicine they they look don't recommend um, obviously depletion or over exercising, and in terms of running and again that hits sort of style training. Yeah. What does Chinese medicine suggest? Like everything, Tai Chi and Qigong. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really focusing on whatever organ energies are needed at yeah. that time. So for anyone who's not familiar with Qigong. Um, I've done 
two levels of uh, teacher training of Qigong mm. and there are different exercises for different organ systems. So mm-hmm. if someone's got, yeah, heartburn and lots of headaches and they've got a really red face, then we go, okay, well, that's maybe more liver. Mm. Um, maybe that liver fire is coming up. So we'll do, okay, well, let's do a liver Qigong to help bring that down and just mm. – uh, there's a lot in Chinese medicine as well about – well, there's a saying actually of where the mind goes, chi follows. Mm. And so there's a lot about intention yep. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. recommendations for exercise would be to keep that gentle. Keep it gentle. Yeah. Again, movement. like one of the benefits we have of living here and now is we have research and we do mm. know that it's perfectly safe to do things that are a little strenuous in, in pregnancy. You're not going to do any damage. Absolutely not. Yeah. So I just say, listen, like to every person, just listen to your body. Yeah. And if, if it's too much, your body will tell you, you'll be exhausted the next day, you'll be really sore and you'll know, okay, I won't do that again. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the problems is I see a lot of women who that exhaustion, it's almost they blame that as a symptom of pregnancy. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, and look, pregnancy is tiring for sure. Yeah, but if yeah, if you're not recovering from a workout, it's it's a pretty good sign that it was just a bit much, and you need to dial back. Even if you felt like you weren't working out that hard, yeah, yeah, your body's just different. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot changing. Yeah, in the body, and so how does acupuncture help with things like morning sickness? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different. A lot of different ways, basically. Yeah. Um, I was looking into this the other day about acupuncture. I found a research article about it was acupuncture's general effects. And I don't, I'm not sure I'll be able to get the term right, but there was – it activated something in – I think it's purinergic signal, signaling, mm-hmm. which is involved in the ADP, ATP, basically the Krebs cycle. Yeah. So acupuncture has an effect on that. <laughs> Wow. Which I found really, really interesting because it gives uh, a whole new idea to chi as, as energy, energy because the Krebs cycle is in, in biochemistry how our body creates energy. energy. Yeah. yeah. So I can't remember exactly what system, but it was involved in that process. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that it works. We work with the nervous system to help calm it down because if you think about morning sickness, a lot of women in their first trimester – it's number one, they might be a bit stressed because miscarriage risk is higher in that first trimester and especially for women who've suffered losses, it's incredibly stressful. Absolutely. And they're also keeping it under wraps. So they're feeling awful and trying to make sure no one notices, which is also really hard. Yeah. And on top of that, there's just, you know, that, oh my God, I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a baby, there's going to be financial stresses, like all that different thing. So stress is massive. Stress is massive. So just toning down that nervous system response helps immensely. There's an amazing point that a lot of people are familiar with. You might have, a lot of people might have heard of Mm C-bands, which is a a wrap that goes around the wrist. It sits Mm -hmm. on a particular point. That point's called pericardium six. Mm -hmm. We use that heaps with morning sickness it's really got really good research around it yeah, for awesome. nausea relief yeah um not exactly clear on the mechanisms to be honest with you yeah uh, in chinese medicine it does have a slightly descending action mm. so it just helps to reverse that stomach chi yeah not to any point where it's going to be dangerous for baby just enough to help calm it down a little bit yeah and then just helping with other symptoms as well. Like if someone's not sleeping, that's going to be making morning sickness worse. So we we do what we can to help with that. Okay, so moving sort of out of the first trimester 
um, if we're thinking about preparing for birth, mm. how does acupuncture work to facilitate the preparation of the uterus and the points for mm. the labor? Yep. I love doing labor prep treatments. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So we do a lot of points that are just generally around the hip and the lower backs, mm-hmm. the hips and the lower back, <laughs> just to help with blood flow yeah. to those muscles and tendons. Um, we encourage our patients to do a lot of massage in those areas as well, just to keep the hips nice and open, do some stretching, you know, come and see mm-hmm. someone like yourself so that that can encourage bub to move, be able to move down into the right position. Yeah. If bub's in a um, uh, transverse, there we go, transverse or breech position, there are things we can do as well. Yeah. There's a technique we do with moxa, which mm-hmm. is a herb that we burn over certain points. Uh, that's actually pretty effective for turning breech babies. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, it's amazing and no one knows why, but it has a really yeah. good success rate. Wow. Yeah. So you've seen that a lot in... Absolutely, wow. yeah. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. So there's things that we can do in that way as well. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it is that same stress, working on the stress, keeping the body calm. Mm-hmm. We know that the eventual signal for labour well, at least this is my understanding, is that it does come from bub mm. and that bub releases a protein from the lungs, which then triggers the whole cascade of, of hormones. But bub won't do that if mum feels unsafe yeah. because bub's not going to feel safe to come out. Uh, and so pressures of deadlines, you know, baby needs to be out by this date or, uh, you know, my mum's here to look after the other kids, so I need to have the baby in the next two weeks. That's all massive stress. Mm. And so... A massive part of it is calming that response mm-hmm. down as well. Yeah. Yeah. The nervous system. Mm-hmm. So massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In general, but especially in pregnancy. Yeah. And then, of course, if we go over the 40 weeks, then we might start using a couple of extra points that just have a bit more of a, what we, we call it an oxytocic effect, just helps release oxytocin. Mm. Uh, and in Chinese medicine, it just has more of a downward effect yeah. and helps just, we call it ripening the cervix. So it won't cause contractions, but it just helps to encourage blood flow. And if the body's ready, that will help get things along. We don't do forceful like induction yeah. techniques. That's doesn't tend to have a great result. No. It's more just a gentle, calm the body down, let's open it up. Using and, acupuncture and the, and the moxibustion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we always give acupressure points as well yeah. for mums and their partners to do at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the acupressure points that you could suggest? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So some of the – probably some of the most well-known ones are – there's one on the hand. Mm-hmm. So it's about halfway along – if you think of your pointer finger, mm-hmm. get to the knuckle, go back towards the wrist, yeah. that bone there. Yeah. It's halfway along that. If you massage that, you will find a sore spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's a good general chi moving point in yeah. Chinese medicine, and that its partner or its pair is actually on the bottom of the on the top of the foot. Mm-hmm. So if you find where the big toe and the second toe meet, and mm-hmm. just travel up the foot until those bones come together, that points liver three. Yeah. So those four points, you can do those points on either side, are together called the four gates, and those are just general chi moving opening points. Mm-hmm. And then a more specific labour one is spleen six. Yep. So spleen six is on the inside of the leg. If you locate your medial malleolus, which is the ankle bone mm-hmm. on the inside, and measure the distance between that and the bottom of the foot. And if you take that and you move it 
put that bottom finger on the medial malleolus, and where that top finger rests is spleen six. And same thing, you'll be able to feel around and find a sore spot. spot. And aside from that, there's a lot of points we might use on the lower back and over the sacrum, Mm. but I don't tend to teach those specific points because it's easy just to say, give the whole sacrum a bit of a rub down and give it plenty of pressure because they can be actually really tricky points to find. So I'm not going to give that task to to dads. (laughs) (laughs) They've got enough on their phone. Exactly. (laughs) I have heard um, of women holding a comb to try mm. and stimulate that acupressure point in labor like a little yes. you know those old school little um wooden yeah combs. apparently it's amazing yeah yeah i can imagine if you've got the top of the comb and you're applying that pressure to what was this one called again colon four colon four yeah yeah i can imagine that pressure down would be would be quite effective mm. and so that is a point that you might use in preparation for birth right at 40 yep. weeks absolutely or, yeah. absolutely and you can do it during as well okay they're both like the colon three and liver colon four and liver three are both really good pain relieving points as well oh, okay. so yeah they can be used the whole way through yeah, yeah awesome that is great for our listeners to know yeah and what sort of lifestyle advice would you have for women in pregnancy that brings in any of those elements of Chinese medicine from a sort of stress management perspective, um, exercise or diet Mm. perspective, sort of in general for a pregnant woman? Mm. Like what what are the main things that you're sort of looking at for optimising your health and how does that relate to some of these teachings? Mm. So it doesn't differ that much from fertility to yeah, be honest yeah so getting Makes enough sense. rest yeah exactly it's just a continuation mm-hmm. among this this crazy journey that we're on I uh, think of pregnancy as just optimizing our health it's like the epitome yeah. of health and well-being. yes exactly exactly and it should be yeah <laughs> at least <laughs> um so yeah getting enough rest is huge yeah. it's a lot of women just get tied out really really easily so listening to the body is is number one uh, having some form of mindfulness meditation, Practice. whether that's yeah. qigong or walking on the beach or painting. Like, yeah. It doesn't have to be sitting quiet in, in a room. If you love that, awesome. Do yeah. that. Uh, if you don't, that's cool too. Find something that works. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like with fertility, keep keeping it warm, but also don't overheat yourself because that's a bit easier to do in pregnancy. You have a bit more leeway in pregnancy to go for some of the colder foods and things like that because that's what the body wants Mm -hmm. (laughs) but frozen foods that's not frozen foods is a no yeah 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 correct thanks for that (laughs) uh room temperature in chinese medicine is considered cold enough yeah yeah that's very different to to our western exactly yeah so no acai bowls (laughs) (laughs) i might give some leeway if it's like a 38 degree day and it's Mm. just hot and it's like okay if you want the acai bowl go Go for for it it. it'll be okay but now that we're starting to head towards winter i'd say the warm maybe don't yeah go for a a porridge or just some just some raw berries is enough like cold enough yeah 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 Yeah, it's interesting this idea of, of warmth Mm. And so with overheating, what would you suggest around taking baths in pregnancy? Is that? Mm, it would depend on just what the woman's feeling into. Mm. And if she's just – if the thought of getting in a warm bath is just like, no, <laughs> just don't Intu- do it. Intuition. Yeah, exactly. Maybe focus on doing something like grounding, getting outside, putting your feet on the earth, try and channel some of that heat mm. back into – 
into the, the earth. earth, yeah, rather than having it in your body. Mm-hmm. And there's usually a reason behind. If someone's excessively hot, there's usually a reason behind that. And it's like, well, is it a dietary thing? Are you maybe eating too much spicy foods and hot things and fried things? Uh, is your nervous system a bit frazzled? Is it a stress response that's keeping you really hot? So, yeah, yeah depending on what's going on for that woman, it's a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And learning to trust your intuition is absolutely and listening to your body yeah Yeah, it's a huge thing yeah absolutely awesome so that covers a lot of the diet and the well stress management is there specific things for diet in terms of fats or carbohydrates proteins that they normally recommend in Chinese medicine apart from the concept of warm and cool generally not so much unless you really drill into that kind of month by month thing yeah but it's pretty it's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there is generally support on the spleen and the kidney systems because from a Chinese medicine perspective, they're doing the most work, work. in building baby. So and blood, the spleen as well. and the spleen and the kidneys. kidneys. Yeah, yeah. So in Chinese medicine, that's the earth element and the water element. Mm-hmm. Um, and each element in Chinese medicine has different uh, emotions, tastes, temperatures, everything attributed mm-hmm. to it. So again, for the spleen, that's that sweetness. So lots of nourishing, what we would think of nourishing foods. If you think of, you know, stews with lots of sweet potato thrown yeah. in there and with some really well-cooked with porridge with honey. and Exactly. Yeah. And then with the kidneys, it's more that salty, salty food. Not super, super fatty, not super rich. Mm. Um, and if the patient's really craving that, then that's generally a sign of, okay, so... Where's that little bit of imbalance going on if that person's excessively craving fats? Craving some fats is not a problem. Yeah. Um, and we know now that they're super healthy for our hormones and hormones, all sorts of things. Yeah. So not saying go low fat, but don't go overboard either with eating tablespoons and tablespoons <laughs> of the stuff because the tendency is to go to fried food too yes, when we're so craving fats. Good, so. high-quality fats. Exactly. And preferably mixed into some kind of well-cooked stew or something. So slow-cooked meats. Yeah. Love that in Chinese medicine. Yeah. So if you think of something like an oxtail stew, that's quite fatty and it's quite rich, but it's got so much good stuff in it. Yeah. It's like, go for it. If you're craving fats, have that. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and what about around seafood and that sort of thing? Yeah, seafoods, seafood, well, that differed in different parts of China because some parts of China are coastal, some not so much. So seafood was seen as definitely perfectly healthy. It can be a little cold yeah. in Chinese medicine. So it's probably something that, would be avoided in that first trimester. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know now, of course, that raw seafood isn't always a good idea, or particular raw seafoods, especially during pregnancy, aren't a good idea. But generally speaking, seafood's seafood's fine, yeah. and as long as it's cooked and warmed up and maybe served with, because it's energetically cooler coming from the ocean. Mm-hmm. If it's served with some ginger, for example, you know salmon with ginger, Warming. like the Japanese do. That's yeah. a classic, like cool plus warm. Warm, yeah. So we warm it up with the ginger. Things like that. Yeah, I find it so fascinating how in Chinese medicine they do look at the actual quality of the food. Absolutely, yeah. It's not all about protein, carbs and fat. It's no. all, is it warm, is it cool, is it salty, sweet, bitter, sour? Mm, astringent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Any other tips or recommendations for pregnancy that you've found really helpful for your own experience or things that you really like recommending clients that you've had a lot of success with? 
One thing I recommend a lot is um, magnesium. Mm. Just so amazing for tendons and muscles. Yeah. It's a really good uh, liver nourisher in Chinese medicine, okay. liver blood especially. Yep. And liver blood is what nourishes our muscles and our tendons. Mm-hmm. So magnesium, whether that's in the form of a, spray. a supplement, spray, baths, floats, mm. amazing too. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, I do like a good internal magnesium supplement but baths as well and the sprays can be really really effective too to get it into that individual and the foot area Mm -hmm. yeah definitely chinese medicine actually loves foot soaks yeah so sometimes i'll I'll recommend that and i might give them a couple of herbs to throw in as well that just suit that constitution whether it's some ginger and cinnamon to warm them up Mm. or something else yeah some moxa like the mugwort leaf yeah as well can be a really good one just to promote circulation and warmth so you put that in the soak Mm -hmm. oh wow yep yep is there any other herbs that you'd recommend so ginger (laughs) love ginger mugwort and then magnesium Pretty much, but mugwort in, in a foot soak, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not Please don't consume it. It'll give you very weird dreams, apparently. Really? <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> awesome. That sounds like so many great recommendations for all of you pregnant listeners. Now, diving into postpartum, mm. which I really feel is something that is at the forefront of attention now with a bit more knowledge and understanding of this postpartum period. What does Chinese medicine mean by the first 40 days? I love this. <laughs> postpartum is just – I'm so glad it's getting more attention. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's postpartum services that people can, can access, access now. now, which is so amazing. Isn't it great? Yeah. So the first 40 days is – literally what it sounds like so it's referring to those first 40 days after birth but there is a saying that those first 40 days set you up for the next 40 years yes so they really do play there's a big emphasis on that really allowing your body to take time to rest and recover and if you do that well then that'll set you up for health in the long term basically and if you Mm. don't then you're potentially opening yourself up to issues down the track caused by not taking that time to properly recover after what is essentially a marathon event plus (laughs) huge physiological event Mm -hmm. followed by the sleep depth and everything fun like that yeah so there's actually an amazing book called the first 40 days for anyone who really is interested in diving deep into it yeah but some of the some of the main focuses around the first 40 days are rest recover um and there's four of them and then my brain's gone blank again it was like rest recover replenish and ritual actually was the other one one. so it comes down to yes you need to rest having your like a village around you or as close to as you can if that needs to be you know a service that you need to to bring in instead. If you haven't got family nearby, sometimes that's the best you can do. Or if you can set up a meal train, for example, that's just something amazing that that women can do. So that, yeah, resting, making sure you're always nourished and kept warm. Warmth is even bigger. Like now in postpartum, that's the time where we're like Chinese aunties will go. They won't give tap water. Wow. At all, like too cold, and it's a lost tap opportunity. Water. Yeah, <laughs> so tap water is too cold, and it's also seen as a lost opportunity for having something better, like a tea or a soup or something, yeah. where you could get in some more healing nutrients. Mm-hmm. And 
the thing I love about that ritual side is that it invites that kind of honoring what you've been through that you've just spent you know 10 months creating this little human and mm. now you're here and you're cre- you're just starting this whole new journey and it really is a phase of life that's a bit of a it's a bit of a bookend I suppose mm, in some ways and then opening up again exactly yeah so I, I love that part of it too and just kind of being like oh my god <laughs> yeah so what sort <laughs> of rituals would they suggest foot scrubs and massages and things like that we think of the mother blessing like before baby's born but Mm -hmm. similar thing to afterwards as well just people coming and acknowledging that but it can be as simple as just lighting a candle and writing in a journal you know it doesn't have to be anything fancy to do it right quote unquote yeah yeah just just acknowledging the the journey you've you've been through and really kind of just sitting with that for a few minutes can be all it all it is yeah 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 honoring this transformation Mm. into the mother Mm -hmm. exactly yeah which I think is something that's not well done in our western culture and there's a big emphasis on physical health and the health of the baby and how's everything physically and medically but there's very little emphasis around mental or spiritual or emotional well-being absolutely Um, and even less of the mother's of course really if she's not dying then it's like great yeah (laughs) you'll be fine you'll be okay (laughs) you'll be okay okay. yeah yeah Yeah. with the routine checks consisting mostly of of physical assessments and exactly very little acknowledgement of how the mother is actually coping and it's no surprise really when we look at how even the structures set up throughout pregnancy why women forget to plan for a postpartum period because there's so much emphasis on getting to full term and then doing birth, getting through birth, getting through labor, however that might happen. And then suddenly it's like, oh, here's your baby, off you go. Good luck. (laughs) And women are like, oh, my God, what? Absolutely. (laughs) How do I do this? Hang on. I can't recommend it highly enough to think about preparing for postpartum and the fourth trimester. Yeah, I'm always harping on to my patients going, have you started cooking your broths and you've started filling up your freezer with things? Yeah. Yeah. Have you got your your pantry sorted? Have you got your teas and everything? And if they haven't, I'm like, you need to think about this. Here's why. (laughs) You won't have time to. So on that note, teas that you'd recommend for postpartum? Ooh. Mm. We have a product in the clinic that we – well, we have a couple actually. So we don't formulate them ourselves. Yeah. So we tend to to recommend just a general formulas more so in Chinese medicine than individual herbs. Okay. Which I know makes it a bit tricky for like chatting about it. Yeah, that's okay. But the big focus is on that blood basically, you mm-hmm. know. It's such a massive – yes, there can be a lot of physical blood loss, mm-hmm. but from an energetic perspective as well, because it uses up so much energy in Chinese medicine, that's kind of equivalent to like, like using a lot of blood and yeah, chi to get through yep. it. So there's a big emphasis on supporting and uh, building up that blood again. Yeah. Think about remineralizing from a Western mm-hmm. perspective yep. as well, all, that, all those minerals and everything that's lost during pregnancy or yep. during labor and birth and supporting the spleen as well because again digestive issues postpartum oh yeah just as just as yep. common <laughs> yeah as during pregnancy it doesn't end there so there's really is that focus on those kind of what we call warming and those nourishing herbs i if even if patients 
aren't too interested in teas, you know, what if it's the middle of summer or something? Yeah. Broths, like broths, bone yeah. broths, preferably. If someone's vegetarian, I would say, well, how about a seaweed, like seaweed and mushrooms, you yeah, know? Yeah, okay. They'll still have that. Extracting the nutrients. Yeah. yeah that's that blood building effect. And yeah. the idea of freezing those is okay as long as you're not consuming them frozen. Yes, correct. So you can freeze them, just warm them up before you before you drink them. Yeah, that's Does fine. that have an effect on the nutrients? How recently you've frozen them? I'm not really sure, but generally, you know, most women are doing this a couple months before they give birth. And I don't think for something like a bone broth, because it hasn't got for example, we know like vitamin C is something that's lost in in um, in freezing, freezing. vegetables, but yeah. bone broth is a bit different because it's yeah. just it's a the lot of protein and, and collagen yeah. and minerals, and I don't think they get altered too much with, with the, the freezing, freezing process. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's interesting. That's something yeah. I had wondered when it comes to preparing meals. Mm, yeah, and vegetables. Yeah, you'll lose some things, but at the same time. You yeah, think about the convenience <laughs> exactly. If yeah. it's that or two minute noodles, go the frozen <laughs> meal, like yeah. the one that you've cooked in advance. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are some of the strategies that you're going to use? Do you think? And what have you started thinking about and looking at to support yourself in that first forty days? Oh, yeah. I'm 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 just starting to think about this now that I'm nearly halfway through. I've been making my way through the book actually of the first forty days. So awesome. I'm planning on. Uh, well, I live about an hour away from, mm-hmm. from the sunny coast and so we've only recently moved up there. So we actually won't have a support circle right near us. Immediate so, vicinity. Yeah, so that could be interesting. But we do have a really supportive family on both sides yeah. and so I think we're going to be leaning pretty heavily on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely starting to put together a list of like foods and recipes and things that I would like people to be able to yeah, make for amazing. me. A meal train is such a beautiful idea. Yeah, um, and gives your immediate friends or network an opportunity to provide you with something which they're, they're looking at ways to do, mm. um, but it just makes it simple if you can suggest certain things or um, even there's online systems where you can set up, you know, these are the recipes that you'd like and then people can allocate a certain day to come and you know, drop off a certain meal, yeah, which is such exactly, a beautiful... Exactly, exactly. We're, we're in the process of getting a new freezer because we had one... Um, blow up in the floods. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm up in Gympie for anyone who's local, so yeah. I was. My house is fine, but yeah, we had some. We had no power for a bit, and anyway, the the, the freezer was dead. So, oh, so once it's once we have a freezer back, um, I'm just going to be stocking it up with all the number one ingredients, mm. like I, you know, meat that gets slow cooked, things to make yeah. bone broth with. Yeah. Um, and then when we get closer, I'll just I'll make as many meals as I basically can, mm-hmm. <laughs> broths and stews and things like that. I'll, I will be having my baby in the end of winter, yep. so it'll still be cool. So mm-hmm. I'll be able to have plenty of those warming, those warming, warming foods things. without, yeah, while still feeling like them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and then just having a good repertoire of yeah different teas. I'll definitely going to take some of the stuff we have in the clinic yeah. home with oh, me. Yeah, this is such a some of those mother mother variety. loving herbs. And there's mm. so many teas out there now as well. Yeah. There's a bunch of different things. So I'm still doing that research into what I'm going to do, but there'll also be a big focus for me on minerals because I know that's a really big part of what you lose, not only in, in birth, but in every pregnancy, a woman loses about 10% of her minerals in wow. her body. Yeah. 
That's crazy. Yeah. And so I've, you know, I've got a few, got some mineral drops and I'll be making sure I put salt in everything. And yeah. I want to put a really good, big emphasis on that as well. Because in Chinese medicine, that is essentially the blood as well. That's yeah. part of that blood building. Because you think of the the foods that help build that up, like broth, it's really high in minerals as well mm-hmm. as protein and mm-hmm. and all the good things. So, yeah. yeah. And then that idea of staying warm, wearing socks or Yes, Keeping warm, yeah. exactly. Traditionally in the first 40 days, there were kind of rules in place that don't make as much sense these days. Like yeah. women weren't allowed to bath for I, the first yeah, 40 days. Yeah, the same in, in I think, mm. might be 21. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, um, yeah, at least 30 it was in Chinese yeah. medicine. But at, that's the theory behind that is uh, so that women wouldn't get cold and then ah. cold wouldn't be invited into their body basically. Because we don't want that. <laughs> but, of course, that was before the days of hot water oh, and hot showers. Yeah. yeah, that would make sense. So I'm not planning on not showering. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a long days. time. That's a long time. I have – I wonder um, – because I've heard a similar thing in Ayurveda and that it was implied that there was something to do with the sort of the biome on the skin um, mm. affecting the baby as well. I wonder if – and, like, yeah. washing that off. Yeah, right. See, I've only thought about that in terms of the baby and, you know, the vernix, for example, that might be on baby when baby's born and oh, how there yes. are benefits yeah. letting that, that soak yeah, in so as opposed to washing it all off. Straight away. Hadn't thought too much about it from the mother's perspective, but that's really interesting. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. And it so does. I wonder if that just requires, you know, you to just like wash around the breast area less or not use soap there, just give it yeah. a rinse and yeah. things like that to to keep those kind of pheromones and everything yeah. going interesting. Oh. So you might be, you might not be sharing. <laughs> I will <laughs> still be sharing. <laughs> and I mean, uh, traditionally as well, women weren't meant to go outside. They yeah. were basically, it was also Us called down. confinement. confinement. Yeah. yeah. So they were in their bedroom, basically. Yeah. I'm probably not going to stick to that. <laughs> I have animals on my farm that I, I love, so yeah. I don't think I'll be able to. <laughs> I will make sure I wrap up, though. Yeah. And have all the jackets and the scarves and socks and everything on yeah. to keep my body warm. And the ears, I've heard it's important to keep the ears warm. Ah, that's not that's not such a big thing, I don't think, unless I'm missing something, which I could be. Ah. It's more like feet, neck, and neck. back and womb in Chinese medicine. Wow. Yeah, yes, you'll be all rugged up. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I am half the time anyway. Yeah, pre-pregnancy can get cold out there in Gympie too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We also have a fireplace, so that will be going too. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And what about when it comes to acupuncture or massage Mm or moxibustion uh, postpartum? When Mm. does that sort of treatment start to come in? So traditionally, it was done about two weeks Mm -hmm. after birth. The thing I say in clinic is just for the woman to wait till she's ready to come in. Because for some women, after two weeks, they're totally ready to be out and doing things. And for some, it's two months and they're still not wanting to leave the house. And so basically whenever she's ready, then we'll start doing some of those. We call them mother warming treatments. So there's a lot of focus on that replenishment of heat and warmth into the belly Mm -hmm. because there was obviously this massive warmth, the whole being, plus another organ that's now just gone. So really about inviting blood flow into the area to help with healing. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful if there is a C-section scar, for example, as well, as well as just encouraging the body to get back to where it's comfortable until 
you know, eventually you'll get your menstrual cycle back, etc. Yeah. It won't bring your menstrual cycle back though. Yeah. <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah. It's just more of a recovery. Yeah. And often we'll do some work on the lower back as well. Mm-hmm. Just really getting the whole pelvic area some love and yeah. also gives mum some time out. She probably hasn't had any since bub's been born. Absolutely. So if, you know, bub can go half an hour without feeding, it's like, great, yeah. <laughs> bring in a little carrier or something. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll you know, hold him for the next half hour. You have a rest. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's our, it's our um, manager's favourite part of the job. <laughs> wow. So that is really good for Sunshine Coast locals to know. Yeah. You can bring your baby along. You can bring your pregnant. baby. Yeah. We love it. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> we would love to have a little cuddle. <laughs> yeah. And well, and so important because how else is... I'm yeah, going to get exactly. there. <laughs> Especially if dad's had to go back to work. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit more about the C-section scar management in terms of acupuncture or um, other techniques that you might use to manage that? Yeah, definitely. So we don't do anything until it's properly healed first yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, that's really important. Like We're not going to mess with <laughs> the proper healing of that. But once it is, we do a technique called scar bridging, mm-hmm. which is basically lining up needles on the other side of the scar basically mm-hmm. um, and starting to break up any scar tissue that's forming yeah. so that's really helpful to do before it's gone on forever and yeah. it's really solidified and it's yeah. kind of stuck there um, because if there is still that bit of fluidity in the tissue it's a lot easier to encourage that blood flow there and that will help to clean up that some of that scar tissue it'll bring all the white blood cells and all the good healing parts of the blood as well mm-hmm. and from a Chinese medicine perspective it's all just invigorating we call it that chi and blood in the area to help with that stagnation that's caused by the scar yeah um, other theory other things I like to do is castor oil yeah I love castor oil yep. so again can't do it if this if the incision is not 100% healed mm-hmm. but once it has you can massage it on every night. You can do castor oil packs, yeah, which okay. is something you can look up. It's, it involves castor oil and then popping warmth over the area oh, and lovely. chilling out for 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. Um, and it's a really strong blood mover in Chinese medicine. So it just really gets that circulation going and anti-inflammatory. And it's a nice little ritual. Yeah. And what do does the well. castor oil, as opposed to another oil, do? It's just the effect that the castor oil has specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just has that really anti-inflammatory effect. Yeah, Yeah. because I often teach clients to do scar massage, but often just recommend an oil that they've got at home. Yeah, and look, castor oil can be really sticky. It can be a little (laughs) hard to work with. Um, So I normally recommend just doing a little, like putting it on after a shower because the skin's really hot and it just soaks off a bit quicker. Yeah. But it is definitely is a little... It can be a little annoying because it does stain things as well. So you have to make sure it really is soaked in well. But I have found that it doesn't – like there isn't really an equivalent in terms of its own effect as well as the effect of massage and physically getting that, that blood flow yeah. to it. Yeah. And yeah. the moxibustion, is that something that you'll do as oh, well? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we have heat lamps in the clinic as well. So those heat lamps kind of mimic – moxibustion so it's a bit bit of a a cheat (laughs) i love technology (laughs) yeah works pretty well yeah yeah and so in a treatment for example we'll have that heat lamp sitting over the c-section scar for 20 to 30 minutes wow just to really get it's infrared heat so um well infrared light technically i suppose but it just really gets in there it gets below the surface of the skin it doesn't just warm up the skin it really Mm. gets the tissues underneath so good for healing the whole way through yeah yeah yeah, amazing. So many 
wonderful tips. <laughs> Have you got anything else that you want to add before we close the show? Ooh. I don't think so. Yeah, I, think I feel like we've covered a lot. I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. My brain <laughs> my brain is just about yeah. <laughs> done for the day. <laughs> awesome. So I will leave um, all the details of Grace's Clinic Bloom Chinese Medicine in the show notes so that you guys know where to find her and you can bring your baby. Bonus mm-hmm. if you're postpartum. <laughs> um, but so much knowledge and tips, um, and now hopefully more of an understanding of how acu- acupuncture can be helpful for uh, morning sickness, for preparing the body for birth, and then even for, for postpartum healing. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this with other pregnant women or other women that you think deserve to understand this information. It is my mission to share this knowledge with women because this is something that I believe that we should all be taught.